Well, happy the well the month of Halloween for the Variety Pine. The Boys season two. I talked about the first half last time with someone, and today I will speak of the other half, the second half that、uh, just wrapped up for season two, and. Get my thoughts on the whole craze going on with the boys now, because now they got a spinoff they already planned. They already got season three. The boys has just become a humongous thing for Amazon Prime. Very successful. Yeah, it is. It's highly successful, and that's both good and concerning. But I will get into that as I、uh, talk about the second half,、uh, and then in the spirit of Halloween, well, also with musicals, because we、uh, both enjoyed that SpongeBob musical. I found. Out there was an Evil Dead musical as well as a Halloween musical. I thought the Evil Dead musical would be more、uh, unique to speak of, so we I watched the Evil Dead the musical as it's called,、uh, which came out and or they、uh, they did a Broadway play for it in 2003, and I think they made new versions of it to reflect Ash versus Evil Dead or the recent Evil Dead. But this was this was the original. Original Evil Dead, and there's some history behind it too. Or the Evil Dead, the musical, whatever. And、uh, Tony Hawk, he recently got success、uh, out of getting.、Uh, oh, it was Tony Hawk Pro Skater that came out. That people loved that. That、uh, sold a lot of copies. He's he, his fame is just back on on the top, at least in the gaming space. But he made. There was a time where he made a movie. Or he produced it and also starred it, co-wrote all that stuff in a CG animated movie about himself fighting off、uh, a gang of clowns called Tony Hawk's Boom Boom Sabotage, produced under a very familiar animation company too. And that was that's all we have to talk about today. <clears throat> again, I, I、uh, was gonna or I asked earlier like how Lauren was doing. She Uh, had a family thing that got canceled. So,、uh, what did you do for your Saturday? Well, the thing that got canceled was was a project I'm working on. But、oh. I actually did wind up spending some time with family. I had dinner with my family at their home in Allen. So that was very nice. Yeah.、Uh, do you think you'd still be able to work on that project, or is that project just not really a thing anymore? Um, it's hard to say. It. It's just,、um, you know, things are picking back up for people, so people are busier. So they are picking back up a little. Because last mean, time I checked, people are still losing jobs, and the economy is still going down. I know that. That's, I mean, on the like big, on the big scale, yes. But like, I'm more busy with work. Oh yeah! Like all the different individuals involved in the project are becoming more busy, not、oh, okay. like everyone. Yeah, yeah. Because I I work at my cafe and I'm struggling、mm-hmm. to get employees or not employees getting customers. Yeah, it's, it's not picking up on my end, but yeah. I mean, hopefully that that's that's the hope. We we don't really know. Obviously, the elections are coming up, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows what will happen? Anyway, now on to the show, and we'll start with. The Boys season two. You mentioned before you said you don't have Amazon Prime, right? Correct. Yeah,、okay. I don't. Then I will go ahead and finish this off. All right, because I, I hear it. Yeah, where I、uh, began with this, I said that. Yeah, I really love this show. This is an incredible. Approach to the whole superhero genre. It is making some satirical things about it, but there is a ton of deep themes in the show. 
reflective of real issues in uh, society, but also things that happen in the Hollywood industry as well. And I, I went into detail on some of those things last time. Now it's time to talk about the second half. And there will be some spoilers because I uh, will be talking about what happens at the end of this. I mean, it won't mean as much as seeing it because what i had to say watching the second half it's just as good as the first half i isn't still really in love with the show is it perfect i would say not but what really works about this as i've said before you've got an incredible villain and i i've heard and so the villain of course of this the main bad guy is homelander who is a very uh, man childish approach to superman someone who is very pouty who always wants things to be his and is just a psychopath who just so happens that actor is great i see that on social media all the time yeah the actor who plays homelander anthony Starr is his name he is amazing he's australian so Hmm. he he disguises his american accent really well here and that where we last left off on episode four uh talking about the shape-shifting guy to try to please Homelander. That didn't work out because he got mad when the shape-shifter turned into him. Of course, as Homelander does when he is out of control and losing his darn mind, he kills the shape-shifter as, like, no one can tell me what what I will become. And he, he was just kind of pouty as a childish person like this guy could be i mean the thing is he was not raised well at all he's has had an abusive family they've turned him they, they've experimented on him and turned him into a superhero so there's a ton of issues going on with this guy turn him into the monster he is through the show where if you try to like even unintentionally upset him he could just blow up your guts if you wanted to mm, yeah. but that's where Stormfront comes in the season 2 antagonist or the new antagonist they bring in and at first it seems like Stormfront was stealing his thunder but and we get to the halfway point no uh, Stormfront is trying to help out a homelander uh, for through all these tactics that she's doing with putting in all these memes and talking crud about the way things are being managed at the uh vibe corporation they eventually fall in love it's funny because they fall in love by smashing each other through the building and to show how destructive these two are they love each other so much that they start just just tearing up their uh, apartment complex uh, while having sex at the same time. It it is funny, but also it's really, it's just rightfully disturbing to know how dangerous these people are. There is even a point where once they are in love, they just go out and they find people that they, who either do bad things or may not do bad things, or they find a homeless guy who is uh, thinking about doing something uh, heinous or robbing something and so they stop this guy in his tracks and of course as uh, homelander and stormfront are together they're like you know what if we were to put him in police custody he'll probably get released tomorrow so they crush this guy's head and again being as the show is with not just its uh deep themes but also gore 
It is gory as heck. Yeah, he he his head blows up like a watermelon. Uh, and there's there's blood all over the the side of the tra- trash can, uh, or not the trash can, the the garbage bin, uh, right next to where they just make out again. So you got double trouble with this, as of course the boys trying to overthrow the Vibe Corporation. They have to deal with these two, or they well they always had to deal with Homelander, but. Now with two guys, now the two superpowered people who are incredibly destructive, especially when you find out that Stormfront actually has another power where she doesn't age as much. She, you find out that she was born actually in 1913, and then there was just a certain point in her life where her powers prevented her from aging. But you also find out that she married a Nazi. She worked with the KKK. She hunted down black well, her people. Her name was Stormfront. Yeah. That's the name of a white supremacist website in real life, and I was wondering if that was related. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. You find out this lady is racist as heck. She takes... Well, her name was killing. a good hint. <laughs> she, t- she takes pleasure in killing people of color. So there's... It, it, it is kind of uh, messed up here, but uh, I mean, yeah, both of them are fascists. Uh, him, her and Homelander. I mean, Homelander, Homelander's whole idea of like trying to spread the, the superpowered serum or co- compound B for him to make supervillains to fight so he can make himself look cool while meanwhile so many people die because of the mess that he makes. There's a part halfway through where he takes down one of the supervillains he created with the compound V, but then also lasers one of the civilians who just so happened to be in the way and slices that guy in half. So that puts him in trouble where that got filmed and there's protests going on about take down Homelander. He's, He's a monster. And that puts his career in possible jeopardy the fact that he the he, or his uh violent tendencies have been exposed on the internet so the vibe corporations having to find all these pr moves to cover for his rear and you see a lot of things expressed here regarding things such as celebrities doing something bad or at least a company doing something uh evil and then you have to have the pr team there to try to cover for them because mm-hmm. even though this is a you know i mean re- regarding super violent or, or uh, people with super violent tendencies that i mean that that's where it is on the story but there is still the the relatable message about how businesses will try to get away with doing something that is well not humanitarian yeah, or yeah yeah unethical so that's where that reference is and there's there's some other things too but as this goes on you see some other things stormfront is planning she gets it she builds up this laboratory of superpowered people that she tries to experiment with and set up and and if the experiment works then that's a new supervillain she throws out for people to fight but if the experiment fails then she gets someone in to torch the uh lab rat to death and that person ends up having his own backstory relatable to the boy or the boys with uh richie no not richie frenchie 
sorry and that actor he did such a great job too that actor and unfortunately there's a part where he dies but for the time he is in the show he was great in it he oh uh, let me try to get his name here sean ashmore as lamplighter and I, I tried to figure out where did I find Sean uh, Lashmore's Empire, and he was in the X-Men movies. That's why I was like, okay, so he's kind of used to being in superhero. Yeah, he was Iceman, and uh, yeah, in the Fox X-Men film. So I'm like, okay, so this guy looks like he is used to being in like these superhero stories but yeah he's basically a security guard and lab assistant for uh stormfront in these experiments just to create an army to again politicize the seven more and make themselves look cool and there's a whole backstory about lamplighter and how he used to be a part of the seven and again how much pr is plays such a big factor to these superheroes they are so powerful where they can just mow down like thousands of people but what's stopping them from freely doing that is pretty much their image like there is actually something that happens later on in season two where homelander he gets this thought in his head what if he were to laser the whole crowd of protesters and you actually do see that in hap- or happen where there's just so many decaying dead bodies just lasered in half and then he gets this thought and said okay if i did that then that's it for for my career so of course he doesn't do it but there's another point where he actually lasers an entire squad of bods soldiers and that's for something that happens at the end but because they were all locked in a uh, house and he could just uh, cover that up and say oh they were killed by the boys or by the uh, terrorists, uh, he, he got away with killing a bunch of people that were on the side of the corporation he works for. Yeah, there's a lot of messed up things with this guy, of course, and it also goes into the son that he thinks he can raise because uh, he finds out that there's a, there's a woman here he had uh, sex with that gave birth to a boy who possesses all of the Homelander's abilities. And Homelander spends his time trying to get this kid on his side to raise him as his own, which, of course, does not work out for him at the end of this, which I will explain why. That's another mess up thing about this guy, is uh, him trying to teach a little kid how to be a psychopathic killer. Because there's a point where he he takes him on, he he takes him away with uh, Stormfront, and they go out to the woods, and and, uh, they try to teach him to... Uh, heat laser this apple or there there is this object and he's like i I can't do it and they're like why why can't you because like i I don't have any anger in me like i i just can't really feel it Uh, well uh homelander is like well you're gonna have to do it just think about some something you really hate and he's like well but i don't hate anyone and uh homelander and stormfront are like oh well i'm sorry that's just how the world works you're gonna have to hate people that that's how you protect yourself you protect it with hate and i thought about that that's kind of messed up to 
Telekin, who's got superpowers. I mean, that's one of many billion messed up things these two do, but hey, that's what, that's how well they work as villains. Mm -hmm. And of course, things kind of get near with the boys as well with, with Starlight, the the relationship between Starlight and also uh, Jack, oh, uh, Hugh and Starlight. And seeing that relationship grow between them from them being friends to pretty much admitting that they love each other. And you just love seeing those two people together. You're like, okay, I I want things to work out for the best uh, between you two. Even though you're still caught between a Romeo and Ju- Juliet situation because they're still uh, on or Homeland or Starlight is still contracted to be with the Seven and Hugh, you know, Hugh is a uh, man on the run. And it's kind of sad to see that when you see these two people just love each other so much. Hugh, he he tries to tell Starlight that he loves her, but is pulling back just because he's afraid of getting putting her in danger considering the two people they're part of are mortal enemies. But you see Starlight hanging out with the boys uh, recently because she get, goes on the run to protect them on their mission. And the boys uh, gain a trust with Starlight and that puts their relationship in more uh confidence uh, to where at the end of this they kind of go they kind of go for it and I uh or what I, I just said that's good yeah yeah and uh regarding the characters I felt like didn't have as much in the first half and that would be uh Mother's Milk and Frenchie Frenchie he's in love with this uh silence girl who pretty much has the superpowers of Wolverine, Kimiko. And at the beginning of it is just between is this him expressing his love and uh, oh will she will she recognize me or will she think uh, most of me and you see that get resolved halfway in and then they having a those two having a real bond together and it's sweet within that too. So everything that feels like it's going in circles they sort of branch a path in the second half of this. Mother's Milk, he's still the same guy who I feel like doesn't have, has the least out of all of them. But I like that the second half, he stopped obsessing about wanting to see his family again and just went into building between the rest of the boys. And at the end of it, you do see something uh, good work out for him as well. What's interesting is the end of this how this ends it ends in a way where if they were to not make another season ever again and just end it here this would be a good conclusion but it also leaves out the possibilities with the season three which they most definitely are going to do that i'll say all the characters that are present here i think they're great including characters that i didn't mention much before like deep and jesse t usher as a train those are the two people who were rejected from the seven both of them having their own issues again the deep from season one having a, a sexual or, or no sexually sexually harassed uh, starlight and then a train having a heart condition and some other things come up about his health and the seven doesn't want to deal with that and some things work out with him at the end to where he comes back in the seven but the deep doesn't and you you see that kind of build between two of them being a part of the collective this 
satire on on the uh, Catholic Church. And those two starting to like each other, first they can't stand each other, but then they start to enjoy each other's presence. And then by the end, we see that twist where only one of them goes to the seven, the other one is still stuck at the collective. It kind of changes things around and the deep i am curious to know what becomes of them after this knowing knowing that it didn't work out for him no matter how hard he tried to change himself that the seven would still not accept him mm-hmm. and uh, carl urban's character as william butchie uh, william billy butcher him and his uh, relationship with his significant other he finally meets up with. There is something great about that and him trying to change from being a salvage jerk to kind of recognizing and at least accepting his uh, teammates a little more, which I think is great. Now to talk about the ending, this is where I will get into spoiler because I think the ending is the most important to talk about because it also it also brings in the question of the spinoff they just announced that they're filming for uh, the boys. They got a spinoff now in addition to season three. So what happens is that they come up with this plan to foil Stormfront's plan or uh, ideas of what she has going on with building this army, but also exposing her. So. A-Train sneaks into some uh, secret files to discover that Stormfront is a Nazi from uh, World War II as well and a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Once that information gets leaked out, everybody turns on Stormfront except Homelander, who is uh, worried about Stormfront and goes looking for her. And that we get to the part where it's not just Stormfront, it's also his kid because Billy Butcher, sneaks into the cabin where the kid was uh who is ryan uh, ryan uh or, or uh, ryan was in a cabinet with stormfront and homelander and then when both of them had to attend to their affairs it, it was actually a diversion for one of them well actually for both of them but because uh, they, they basically put in a sound wave to distract a whole lantern to think that there's something going on far away and that gave billy enough time to go in take the wife take the uh, kid and sneak out of the cabin and then when homelander comes back and sees all these soldiers who were also looking for the kid he just immediately accuses them of taking kidnapping the kid kills all of them and goes out looking for billy butcher and then we get this showdown between because stormfront comes back to see, to find out where uh, the boys are who uh, basically leaked all, all, all that information and tries to kill them. But of course, this is where we get the girl power moment because you got Starlight, you got Kimiko, Queen Maeve, and you just see this epic fight scene where first, hey, what was I going to say? Oh, first Stormfront electrocutes and blasts away the boys and all the guys and knocks them out doesn't they're they're still all right but as soon as they get back up all the superpower women come up and just gang attack just like gangster attacked stormfront like just every each one of them throwing her down their superpowers and it is an ultimate girl power moment because you see all the guys going (sighs) oh it looks like they got it yeah you see kimiko and queen maven's 
Starlight there and all beam the crud out of Stormfront. Whereas Stormfront just runs away. Uh, so they save the guys, those three. And then we turn to Billy, who has been running in the forests away with his wife, who Homelander impregnated to get Ryan. And of course, Ryan as well in the forest with them. That's where Stormfront comes back in to try to kill uh, by choking out choking out the white or uh, Billy's significant other. Billy tries to stop uh, Stormfront, but Billy's too weak. So Ryan, who said earlier, yeah, I don't really use my powers unless I really hate someone. Oh, he used his powers at that moment and <laughs> sliced Stormfront in half, killing her permanently, and also accidentally sliced up Billy's lover as well who in her dying words said please believe ryan he's a good kid protect him please as soon as he as soon as uh, he was going to turn to ryan homelander shows up as about to kill billy butcher because you know seeing all this seeing stormfront's torso and seeing uh, ryan in the corner and ryan refusing to go with uh homelander instead going with billy instead causes homelander to try to kill both of them with his heat laser and is stopped by queen mave because queen mave shows the video from season one that i talked about uh, when i was talking about part one where homelander just left a lot of people on a plane ride to die. And Queen Land or Queen Maeve says, if you kill Billy and the kid right here, you don't let them go. I will s- leak this out to the internet for everybody to show how much of a monster you are. And uh, he's like, well, then that will expose you too, because you're in the video as well. And he's, she's like, that is perfectly fine. I'd rather you go down with me. That alone, that video that she was going to leak on the internet, that prevented Homelander from committing to kill Billy and Ryan. And he flies off away, and Billy and the rest of the boys, they make it back safe. M- Mother's Milk comes back home to his uh, family. All their charges that they had on them at the at season one were dropped because of the heroic deeds they've done billy's off somewhere richie is enjoying life with kamiko not richie not, i mean frenchie here's the interesting thing though when it comes to hugh and starlight hugh expresses his love to starlight they make out and their relationship grows from friends to boyfriend girlfriend but Bill or Hugh also says, yeah, I don't want to be part of the boys anymore. So he gets a, he he gets uh, to be a intern for a new organization going on. And that new organization was led by one of the lawyers who was on the side of uh, the boys, who was part of the FBI. And here's the twist we get with this lawyer. It turns out that she is also a soup. There, there was a part in, in towards the end of season two where they were trying to expose Homelander and Stormfront by getting bring them into court and sending in someone who could uh, be the witness for them. What went wrong there is that half of the people in the entire court, their heads explode. And you find out later that one of the lawyers behind, or who is with the boys, that is her superpower. She can blow someone up by looking at them if she wanted to. And she goes into the collective 
and just blows up the uh, priest's head off uh, from the window side. And she is the one leading this anti-soup corporation that's meant to expose any uh, sort of issues or any sort of uh, uh, bad deeds that the soups create. And that's the same exact business uh, Hugh signs up for and becomes an employee that brings in some interesting things about season three especially when one of the other last things you see is that homelander is just sitting up on the top of a uh, skyscraper butt naked going yeah i can do whatever i want whatever i freaking want and just peeing like off of uh, a gargoyle statue so this is and kind of is conclusive but it's also leaving the door out for a season three which will happen and some possibilities what could happen the other thing is now there's a spin-off where it's this it's this uh hey we're gonna do an origin story about the first soups that were created and this whole academy for all the soups and i don't know how i feel about the spin-off this is where i, I i'm kind of excited and concerned at the same time because it looks like this could go either way either they've got more ideas planned and there is so much material you could do considering this whole thing is a satire on not just superhero stories but also life and with the whole thing about 2020 and this pandemic there is a lot to mine from even this year alone and i bet they're gonna do for season three when they get around to it because season two was filmed i believe last year mm-hmm. the thing is though when you get put in mind of the spinoff that they decide to make it also feels like they're trying to make this into a money machine or sony pictures is who uh is the publishing company for the boys series even though this is on am distributed on amazon this is a sony television series and sony wants to make a bunch of series for the boys i think there might be another spinoff but there was this one where they're trying to get make it almost like a a a raunchy high school academy where it's still going to be a hard r rating but it's going to be a bunch of teenage soups trying to uh find their ways as the big superheroes for what will eventually be the seven things like that it's kind of concerning but from right now i can say that at the very least they have the confidence and making something really great because I was engaged with this the whole entire time. That's yeah. It sounds so, like they're making spin-offs really fast. So I just yeah, I know. No, they is as all as solid as the second season seemed to be from what I've heard. No, it, it it is solid. I'm just concerned about what is the intention behind the uh spinoffs that they're making along with the season three Mm because i don't want this to be the way of the walking dead or game of thrones where they had uh several spinoffs either in the works or they made like the walking dead had fear of the walking dead and had Mm -hmm. another walking dead thing i don't want them to kind of melt this till it's dry till it becomes a show you're just tired of seeing and you just want to end because that's what happened with the walking dead it it felt like a show people really loved when it started and then it kept going and kept going and then just recently finally ended and everybody's like 
oh thank god like nobody is like <laughs> oh oh no the walking dead ended oh man but hey you want know it was it was great while it lasted no i i had saw a lot of posts saying why didn't this end sooner and that's just because amc they made or they kept on cranking out seasons because people kept watching them not because they had creative ideas for it it's just that you know what people still are still watching this we gotta keep going so i hope they do come to a full conclusion to the story and not try to keep doing this until people are sick of it because i think that's just the wrong way to go about creating a series so i mean we'll hope i mean i have not even seen a teaser or a script for the spinoff that they're doing so for all i know this could be great yeah uh, you definitely yeah. have a have a optimistic outlook yeah i mean it, it does have the original series creators working on it i mean you, i mean you have uh seth rogan who's the producer of the boys also producing this as well so at least there will be something to it mm-hmm. uh so that is the boys season two loved it and definitely recommend seeing season one or season two. You can watch the full seasons on Amazon Prime whenever. Now, on to the other two things. Starting with, actually, I'll, I'll start this off with uh, Evil Dead, the musical. I've never seen Evil Dead. I'll tell you Really? That. No, I've never seen a single Evil Dead movie. Oh, wow. I thought you would have seen them and that I had to watch it to catch up. I watched both Evil Dead 2 because I'm told that's the one you have to watch to understand the movie or to like understand the whole series kind of like it's the best like like to get it, you know. And then I watched the musical. So um, what did you think of it not having seen the movie at all? Well, I'm basing on seeing all these other Broadway musicals that have been uh, coming out i mean there's a ton of broadway musicals it went based on movies and television shows uh, again there's a rocky musical there's a shrek musical there is one for catch me if you can uh breakfast of tiffany's like things that didn't originally start out at me as musicals or had any sort of hint at being a musical they would eventually get a musical yep so it's kind of interesting to see this get one considering that it is highly influenced by the second one that from what i know of evil den the second one is when you got to see sam raimi define himself as being the super campy over-the-top director because i think the first one took itself seriously and then the second one is when they brought in the jokes and they brought in the goofiness that's my understanding yeah yeah in this one you have a group okay this is immediately it lost me right when it started because this is a group of high school kids out on a trip to a uh middle a cabin in the middle of the woods when you look at them on the stage they're all at least 30 years old like i remember they were in college and that's very common in stage musicals because you're not seeing them close up and you want seasoned performers so that's it's very common (laughs) i guess i'm just more used to seeing that because i've seen a lot of musicals but i guess yeah it would be weird to someone who's never seen that before well but also you got ash going in hey kids come on i'm like dude they're all your age Mm -hmm. well that's another thing to mention ash here not played by bruce campbell instead uh 
I've got the guy's name, but it's it's pretty much from what the, the premise is. They're saying that it's a mixture of all three movies. So you got bits of the Evil Dead 1, Evil Dead 2, and towards the end, Evil or Army of Darkness, yeah. where uh, Ash goes back into medieval times. And mm-hmm. you're trying to bring all these movies together in one into a musical format. And immediately what doesn't work with me here is the musical numbers. They're all really bad. Like, I did not... I saw this on a Sunday and I forgot all of the songs. Like, none of them felt inspiring they felt like they had a creative vision to it there's i mean a few of these songs they're pretty much hey you want i'm gonna say this word that just came out of my head that's a part mm-hmm. of the script the describing who i am and i'm gonna turn that into a song and yeah the songs that's... weren't memorable i watched it this morning and i i couldn't tell you any of the songs and no, I watched it no, this morning. No, they it's not like the the people singing them, they're bad singers. It's just the there's nothing interesting going on with the lyrics. There's yeah. no tune that, that that makes you it's nothing like the the SpongeBob musical where I'm I'm still remembering the songs to the, this day, or Hamilton more so. I mean, yeah, this is definitely not even on in the budget of either of those two musicals. I mean, it takes place all in one house. You can even see the set lights uh, from up above. There are some, I guess there's a couple of effects I find impressive, uh, like uh, Ash's evil hand. I thought that was the most impressive visual effect of the play outside of that yeah not uh that exciting to look at and and then there's the thing about this play here i mean pretty much the story they're they are all in this cabin they think this is gonna everything's gonna go right or everything's gonna be awesome this big vacation turns out no it's cursed with all these demons they start popping out of nowhere and taking out all of ash's friends and having him hunt them with uh, his shotgun and his chainsaw two things he eventually gets in the uh, play meanwhile other people show up and they become victims too i mean that's kind of the the, pl- the overall story and everything you don't get a big you don't really get much depth out of these characters all of them are kind of jokes or they're they're gonna play some type of type there's nothing really to them well the movie has a lot or the musical has a lot of fun with that i thought like the one who was like the mean guy he was just like so mean and over the top like to draw attention to the fact that his character was so thin because like he would always call the sister like a stupid bitch like he was just yeah he would say that over and over again and so like i thought it was like kind of making fun of how how thin his character is because of how thin they are in horror movies i don't know it worked for me if it didn't work for you that's fine well my my whole thing is with it is that it was a joke where it was funny as it started but as it went on i was like okay like he kept saying that a lot like throughout the time that his character was on and it every time he said that like the less funny it got i mean that's another thing is that i don't know how true this play is to the movie having not seen the film i don't know like how accurate these lines are it's very accurate they're using a lot of dialogue directly from the movie 
Okay, well. I Yeah, I don't know, like, if the lines are, like, super iconic in, like, the movie world, and that and that's why people remember them. Like, I don't know if someone who hadn't just watched the movie this weekend would have remembered the lines enough for it to matter in the musical. Well, I think what people really loved about the musical the most is Bruce Campbell. Not, not, not I'm not, sorry, not the musical, the movie. Because... Mm-hmm. Bruce Campbell, he is such a charismatic actor. I mean, that's something yeah. that I, I, when I think of Bruce Campbell, and most of I know of Bruce Campbell's his work with Spider Man, and in uh, he was he had a small part in Spider Man too, but he would play the narrator in the Spider Man games. And he would just sell the the description in which the the Spider Man games being the uh, games based off of the movies. He would just pack in so much whimsical fun to just illustrating the stories that go on with the movies that the, the games are based on and his his voice acting is just great and there are some other things mm-hmm. i've seen bruce campbell and i'm sure so with all these lines i think they work with Bruce Campbell because with Bruce Campbell he can sell a really cheesy and goofy line yeah yeah I agree this guy they've got to try to be Bruce Campbell he does not sell it like there wasn't even a second in the play where I I saw Bruce Campbell in him yeah I didn't like the actor of Ash I also this is such a nitpick I didn't like his costume because it was like so baggy it just made him look like a little like skinny little like it was like like it just looked like I know it was a low budget play but it looked like they just didn't have the budget to get him like clothes that fit and it, it would really bother me well yeah I mean he looks like a guy you'd see at Walmart who and uh come and help you out with some technical issues or to uh bring out the groceries like I'd I never once saw Bruce Campbell in him, even when he's trying to say the same lines. That's probably the biggest issue with this is when you remove the performance of Chris or uh, Bruce Campbell, you see the the the, the dialogue and this working even less because you don't have actors who have are as good as uh the ones you got in the movie and that's what makes them sell lines that are not really well written at all because a lot of these a lot of the, the, the dialogue in this is dumb like the the catchphrases they've got the one-liners the the bad puns i mean i know they kind of call it out towards the end of it but i'm still like yeah it, it's not something where i'm like okay well now I, i'll never want to experience evil dead because of that no i i think it's cool that there's a lot of love for the that the series the fact that it's still going there's apparently a new evil dead movie in the works and there's a new evil dead video game in the works both with bruce campbell attached to it really i thought he retired from the role no he's back he's he, he right. put on, on on twitter he said i think there's something groovy i got in the works and he was referring <laughs> to a studio who was working on an evil dead video game with him voicing the role of ash uh well, that's great so, yeah no bruce campbell as long as he's around he's gonna be ash or he's gonna be something i don't i don't think 
think this guy really wants to quit his role. He's like, I believe 62 years old. Yeah, uh, 62 years old. And he's still doing things, I think. Well, not as frequent, but he's got like the escort, highly functional. Recently, he did uh, Rapunzel. Okay, he did Tangled, uh, the, the, the Tangled TV show. But yeah, he voiced Ash Williams in Dead by Daylight. And also in, uh, uh, yeah, so... It, I, uh, Bruce Campbell, he's going to still stay in the game whenever he can. And that's why they got that e- uh, Evil Dead game, probably, possibly movie. He recently, he did the Ash versus Evil Dead that was uh, exclusively on Stars, I think, but now it's on everywhere you can watch that show. That's when Ash is an old man doing his thing. Yeah, so w- with those actors not present, I found myself underwhelmed by this whole play. As much as fun as the idea may seem about Evil Dead turning into a musical, the execution of it is just not very exciting. I kind of dozed off a little bit. Like, there are parts, even though this is just an hour and a half long, uh, there are parts where I was just not even paying attention to the movie. I was paying attention to Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> it's not saying that I thought this was bad. It's one because I had to think about this also with SpongeBob, because SpongeBob, the main character, I, I noticed this when I talked about the, the musical. The main characters, I thought, they didn't sound r- too much like the original characters from the show. But I think what still worked with SpongeBob the Broadway musical was not just how great the musical numbers were or the production, but also they still captured the weirdness of SpongeBob, which is essential to what that show is, is just how freaking crazy it is, how it is pretty much a show for stoners, well, and kids, uh, but because there would be so many, so much weird stuff going on with SpongeBob and the play captured the tone and the spirit and everything about it without the need of having the original actors or having everybody sound exactly like the original actors yeah even though in the in the amazon version of the play they did actually have the voice of spongebob come in as patchy the pirate so they they did kind of get the original but still everybody's their own and ethan slater made his spongebob his own and i just didn't get that with this it felt like something that is trying to be as faithful and loving to Evil Dead. And I think if you don't find that both ways, if you don't find that middle ground to be with the fans and also of your own, then it's you start kind of tipping over. And this one try to be so faithful to evil dead that because the actors can seem to capture those performances it is jarring to watch Uh, and then there's this whole thing about how they mashed in the third movie army of darkness which is when ash goes to medieval times instead that's just the ending course of the movie which from what i can i again i've never seen any of these evil dead movies but what i know is army of darkness had a whole entire plot going on and that no they they found that just hey you want we gotta end this place somewhere and we gotta use all three of the movies so here's the army of darkness part i mean Uh, a little bit but the end of the second movie he does they do set up the fact that he goes to medieval times like you do see him arrive in medieval times at the end of the second movie so it could yeah. just be an homage to that but like the the second movie they still ended on a cliffhanger because they got another story to tell but here it just felt mm-hmm. like oh, okay no he, he just lives happily ever after in medieval times i don't know but yeah that's a good point yeah yeah so i i i give it a decent i get for diehard evil dead fans 
why not but i'm not that person so yeah all right i thought more of it um worked i guess than you did but i don't think i'd recommend it to anybody it's it's just it's just um like i'd also say decent but i had a lot more fun watching it than i think there you were did. parts there were parts of it i did have fun I mean, I, I thought I that the little sister was very good. I I, I think when like the whole t- the whole uh, house started coming a lo- coming to life and mm-hmm. and uh, Ash started losing his mind, like those are parts where I was like, okay, I'm enjoying. I mean, especially the hand. Like I was always impressed yeah. with the hand animating itself. Like what they did with that. Yeah, just that the the music, the, the songs seem lazy, and then just trying to be so faithful to the show while not being able to capture everything of it but yeah it, they even there's even a news article about them wanting to turn this into a movie like apparently this was supposed to be adapted into a 3d film in 2010 or that's what the rumors said and then they went to the creators of the evil dead movies and they're like heck no this isn't gonna happen like, yeah you darn mind we did not agree to this no there are there's no move there's no evil dead movie based on the musical no so the the creators of the show they or the movie they didn't approve of this like yeah anyway that leads us to our last thing speaking of things that other people may or may not approve maybe they did but this was back to 2006 where tony hawk i think his career was still um reaching his height even though uh, he blew up in the 90s i think early 2000s is when you still saw more of the skating scene bloom the way it did so he got to be this popular to where hey i got a successful skate or skateboarding career i uh, produced successful skating video games let's just do a movie and i'm going to star in it i'm going to produce it and i'm going to have funimation yes the people buying dragon ball z and all that also uh be the production company behind this so this came out on cartoon network premiered on television this didn't go to the theaters and i barely remember no actually i did remember i remember finding parts of this movie cool but also very freaky at the same time mainly the monkeys when it came out or now when it came out when it came out now i think it is a uh well anyway (laughs) i i would have to say is that so so what this movie is you got a rejected town of circus or not or not town or rejected like a circus, circus camp circus camp full of circus performers who nobody wants because everybody's into skateboarding now as the guy on tv said yeah circus that's the ew everybody's into skateboarding we need to put maximum profits on the future of skateboarding no, nobody's doing that circus thing anymore that's such a weird thing to put together yeah it, was, it is it was, it's such a i was, was, I was, was thinking hard about, to buy into that right at the start of the movie yeah especially that my friend uh robert goodrick who is more the dallas chapter leader of uh heroic inner kids he works at the circus yeah there is uh, there is a bunch of circus clowns they they uh hire to make kids happy to help uh fundraise for sick children he does a lot of things with the circuit circus performing That's so, so cool. yeah it is cool and that that brings me back to this whole thing and man no everybody's off of that 
circus. Uh, everybody wants to skateboard. So the ringmaster, who is voiced by, I think, Brain in Pinky the Brain. He's voiced by a recognizable cartoon uh, voice actor. I'm trying to get the guy's name. Because I when I heard his voice, I'm like, okay, that guy does sound familiar. But he comes up and he's like well we're gonna take back the circus and change change things back the way they were meant to be where everybody wanted to see us perform and not those dumb skateboarders and of course the skateboarding stadium inspired all these kids that you see uh, in this film kind of uh wanting to be like tony uh, uh, tony hawk and that's where you see in the opening credits that the skateboarding if all the skateboarding was motion captured by real skateboarders yeah that didn't impress me or what that impressed me that didn't impress me and i'll explain why oh okay but this whole movie is motion captured by the way so everybody is like mocap animated Mm -hmm. but yeah you have all the you have all the kids skateboarding and they're like man i want to be in the skate uh, skate stadium maybe i get to meet tony hawk one day and you got one kid he's always playing the video games and you got the one who likes to blow things up every time you turn him he's always carrying a dynamite then you got the pouty girl and then you got the main character i mean that's kind of who he is regarding what his personality is i I don't know um then you got i think there was one other kid but it's pretty much six kids of of aspiring skateboarders just man i want to be like that great tony hawk and tony hawk shows up at the skate stadium to pretty much uh show off his moves and everything oh the guy who voices the ringleader that is michael dobson yeah who's been a lot of a lot of old cartoon shows but and all these kids want to be like uh tony hawk and they want to have fun and all that and so tony hawk comes in to show off his moves then tony goes into practice for the big stadium show on thursday with two other uh recognizable skateboarders if people are in the skateboarding scene they know who these people are too and they all kind of uh, practice doing the game and Tony Hawk screws up on his uh, um, doing his uh, skating moves. Then he uh, gets kidnapped, strangely, by his own limo driver that may or may not be tied to the evil circus <laughs> people. And it's up to the kids to solve this mystery and bring back Tony Hawk and save him. Eventually getting to the plan called Boom Boom Sabotage. Uh, wait, what were you, so what were you going to say about this movie, Lauren? So my only um, input about this movie is that it reminds me a lot of the Barbie movies that were being released around this time. Um, both were direct-to-video, both used a lot of motion capture to, in this case, it was skaters. In those cases, it was usually dancers or figure skaters. And and it's it kind of fo- focused on the same thing. Um, like, I feel like Tony Hawk is a celebrity that became a brand. And yeah. Barbie is like a brand that wants you to see it as a celebrity. Like, they want you to think of Barbie as like a real person. So I think that this, I would just the whole time I was like, this is just the Barbie movies for boys. And that's really my only insight on Boom Boom Sabotage. Well, I have to say, 
watching this with 2020 eyes i'm like holy crud this animation is bad like, yeah it looks like the barbie animation where like all the budget went to the actual motion capture and then the rest of it looks bad well the, the fact that like the textures are so flat mm-hmm. uh yeah. it's i wouldn't even because people who they might look at this like oh this looks like a video game don't you dare even say that in fact i just played Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 plus 2. And that game looks a thousand times better than this movie. Uh, by motion capture alone. Because the problem with the motion capture is that it is so focused on trying to an- or reanimate all these moves. And it comes to the characters talking. It- it's one of those bad motion capture animations where the characters' heads always got to wobble and they talk. Oh, hey, yeah. Lauren, how was your day? Wow, wow, that is cool and uh you know you, you got like this army kid uh guy uh guy or uh manager who's like attention now now you boys and girls what are you doing in here i'm like oh my gosh you guys and yeah that as there, there's just no definition on some of these faces their, their fa- faces have no definition i'm convinced the eyes like they are blended into the skin of their body yeah uh, and with tony hawk particular his model like i would not for those who've never even heard of skateboarding and they look at this going like okay so are those other skateboarders with them are they his twins or whatever because mm-hmm. they're modeled exactly like him the other skateboarders that are in this movie that he's with and and just some of the the animation later some of the characters they look freaky so freaky they, they just look they, they look ugly too disturbing on on the levels we got here mm-hmm. but yeah and then when you get into just what the purpose of this movie is 80 percent of it is skateboarding and then there's a plot and gags like 20 or 30 percent of it what i mean is that with some this of whole- the gags were funny like the guy's wig at the beginning like i was like oh you got jokes you know <laughs> no, no, no. there i mean throughout the film they'll be they'll be like okay hey let's check out the skateboarding uh ring and then it's 10 or 15 minutes of montage of them skating okay we gotta find tony hawk Let's go over there. Then 15 more minutes of them skating before we get into what we needed. There's this whole thing of, hey, we got to figure out where Tony Hawk is. Let's look for clues. I'm like, are you looking for clues? Or are you just trying to check out your moves? Because mm-hmm. uh, they spend a lot of times just free skating. And I, I get it. You want to show off the, the skate motion capture. But the other thing watching this in 2020, it it shows how much this motion capture animation has not aged when you do compare it with something like the recent Tony Hawk Pro Skater game. The way where they kind of made all of the skaters look as close to the real life skaters as possible, excuse me, and how they would take you off to these crazy locations like a Grand Canyon, like a city filled with fast cars. And they would still give you some very realistic skating uh, or skate tricks that you would see, like all these different things that you go through while you're kind of zipping along these fantastical settings. And the animation between the skating on that 
that looks very fleshed out and uh, smooth and just exact. Where this is super stiff. Yeah. And it is like the very beginning of motion capture, which I get it. This is 2006. Motion capture animation was starting to get more popular in the mid 2000s, but th- you could still make motion capture more exciting. I mean, Keep in this being 2006, it still came out a year or two after, say, Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, which also had much better motion capture animation than this movie. And that is because with the actors and actresses, they focused on the definition of the movement of their mouse and how they react to everything. And even if the motion capture isn't up to today, of course, it still feels like they try to flesh out the living body of a human being, where this is like, they just got these, these jumpsuits just to show off the moves, and then everything else is... Uh, whatever right uh and yeah i mean as much as i like to sit, keep talking about animation and you know the, the this is a movie with other things going on no you i get i constantly get distracted by the animation yeah there are several times in this movie where the animation is right in front of your face to like hey look at look at how cheap this looks i'm like okay this is just a notch above asylum or maybe not even a notch above asylum because this some parts of those look like home homeward they're uh, rip off to onward <laughs> and and then because the other thing about this whole plot about Tony Hawk being kidnapped, I mean, yeah, it's an ego stretch of Tony Hawk. It's produced by him and he wrote this. So, of course, they're going to make him look like the coolest guy in the world. And he's a great skate skater. I mean, no doubt about that. He earns that ego stretch. But when you write something where everybody is just a playing type, it's kind of like, wow, you, you just want this to be on you. Then why... Why have all these other characters? Why not just be the Tony Hawk movie? Because they don't really serve anything other than to talk about how cool Tony Hawk is and then do the t- their one thing that they their characters are built for. Then we get to them finding more about Tony Hawk's kidnapping. And the thing is, they're on their own because the manager is convinced Tony Hawk is just taking a nice nap in her, his apartment. <laughs> There's no, like, conclusive thing to make every anyone think that tony hawk has not been kidnapped because the first ebb point of evidence is him leaving his skating and his equipment behind and then later you get something where he calls his manager and they're having to disguise their voices as tony hawk and if i was the manager hearing that voice i would be like okay what is the meaning of this this who is this really but he's like nope that's tony hawk all right because the the voice would be like hey yeah this is tony hawk and i'm doing right yeah yeah everything's perfectly fine i'm like that does not sound like a fine person oh and then we get to the monkeys because eventually they find the, the his plant or the the ringmaster's ringleader's plan to have tony hawk embarrass himself in a turkey suit <laughs> so their yeah. their plan to save tony hawk at the end of this is to make a boom boom sabotage that's where the guy who's personality is to obsess over all these dynamites he's found in his pants 
just toss them all over the place, blow people up, and take uh, Tony Hawk back. And it just goes through all these wild, all these wild car chases. Because leading up to that, you also got these rapping clowns. What are their purposes in the movie? Well, besides one thing at the very end, I don't know. I don't know what their affiliation is with the circus, but they're a bunch of clowns that want to be street gangster rapping. Then there's the, the kid who obsessed over the this one handheld game. He's like, yo, man, those beats, they're tight. They're so rad. I'm like, okay, I, I don't mean that harp about like representation but i mean it is kind of weird that you have a crew of rapping clowns who are black but none of them are also voiced by black people i don't know yeah, what i don't about. know what what to make of that <laughs> i don't know what to make of this movie a lot no i i don't like that's the thing is what this movie keep me engaged keeps me engaged only the fact that it doesn't explain itself at all and anything that mm-hmm. happens in, throughout this movie it's just like you know what let's just have this happen let's have people do a, a, a hawaiian hula party that that happens uh there's a reference to the shining a little bit kind of where they <laughs> go into uh where, where some of the circus freaks Right around in a tricycle to punch someone in the nuts, and and, and then the, the the zombified monkeys that freaked me out as a kid, or well, the zombified looking monkeys. It, there's just a barrel of monkeys they have lying around that they unleash on these kids as they try to escape with Tony Hawk, and these monkeys just go after one person after another. They 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 try to go after the kids, and then they fall off the edge and instead of dying they instead land on the car of rapping clowns so the 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 uh the kid with the video games has to kung fu fight all the clowns or or not all the clowns the the monkeys or beats them up and they're like yo man that's tight thanks you for saving us yo and it leads to something at the end where they get into a big rap musical number i don't even know what the song was what they were doing but then we get in the confrontation with the villain when i even try to think about it i don't even know if i could consider him a villain because he all his plan is he just wants the circus to be recognized again and everybody just keeps coming in like no the circus you guys are done. You guys are dumb and and nobody wants a circus anymore. They just mind skating. Now, I mean, he does do some evil things. I won't say he doesn't do anything evil, but it's also like he's not trying to take over the world or anything. And the last 10 minutes is just a bunch of crazy things flying around. There's one skater being shot out of a cannon, one on a wheel, and Tony Hawk comes back in this one wheel car how did they find this again the movie doesn't explain this along with a lot of bunch of things the film doesn't really talk about Uh, i mean we could even talk about the the fireworks blowing up a lot of things but yet nobody dying but that that, all right (laughs) and yeah they saved the day and the ringleader is like oh next time don't you you'll wait uh, don't you forget i will be back and i will have my revenge yeah yeah whatever yeah they save the day the movie's like a little bit over an hour long it's not even that long and they one of the last lines i heard was from the kid who loves playing video games he's like man this is better than any video game well except maybe tony hawk pro skater 2 that was pretty tight and i'm like don't you dare try to put yourself on the level 
of video games, especially Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I'm like, no. This is a weird thing, fever dream to watch, and that's why I enjoy it. But what does kind of pad it out a little bit is just the montages of skating that lead to nothing but just skating. Outside of that, I had fun with this for the wrong reasons, but you go ahead. I don't know. Like, I don't think that a movie can be, like, so bad it's good if there's clearly very little effort being put into it. So I don't know. I just feel like... Like, I like spectacular failures, and this just felt very boring. And I think if you want to watch a similar thing that's better, you should watch Barbie and the Nutcracker. It's great. (laughs) Would recommend. Oh, wait, is that the one where, like, the Mouse King, like, actually killed one of his... Like, there was a guy, there was, like, one of his soldiers who was helping him with the ride and he just kicks him off the edge probably i haven't seen that's it in like a the long one time. thing i remember for that movie. well no that isn't the one thing there was one with the the there was there was one with the the, the nutcracker uh, prince as well it, it was just that that was the scene where i was like holy crud i can't believe they did that and yeah. maybe that in, innocent but anyway yeah I, I mean i uh i'm more for spectacular failures too it's just that th- this is such a freaky movie that i think it, mm-hmm. in, a, in some ways it serves well for halloween if you don't want to be like too spooked out you just yeah, want it's very something... uncanny yeah 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 but yeah i mean it, it is with all the scenes that they drag out with the the skating it is slow so i mean compared to the asylum i would watch an asylum movie over this but i'm like hey you want something really stupid to watch that is free on youtube then what the heck this is an hour and Mm -hmm. 10 minutes so yeah that is uh what we got on the show today thank you so much lauren um now that that does bring the question and at the end of this how will this continue well, I do at the through the end of this, I'm still going to do one for November and December. And then I'm going to figure out uh, what to do with this at the beginning of the year. I'd still want to have a show talking about TV and definitely with the, you as well. But I, as far as like finding like another co host, it's not something that's going to immediately be on my mind. But I, I do think that with my ideals of wanting to have a embrace diversity, I feel like it would be unfair to just get rid of this and not do a show with tv in case if i do run across a co-host who is of diverse background who would be into doing all this so i I don't know it's something i'm still trying to figure out but yeah i mean for the time being still talk about stuff going on i mean i'm still gonna keep this going at least once a month so next time will be about the right stuff which is a disney plus biopic tv series about nasa so they just have their first two episodes out but i think it's like a mini series that'll last a few episodes and also the mandalorian because the mandalorian season two comes out the end this month so i'll talk about that then something else i'll i'll think about it but until then uh lauren you are an amazing woman as always and thank you for sticking by with me especially with this you have anything you want to say before we oh yeah like where do people find you you can find me at laur underscore insider on instagram twitter and letterboxd okay and you can find this 
anywhere under Linktree slash Pondspress, anything. I'm even adding more places such as Reddit and yeah. I'm getting my YouTube channel together. So that will be up soon. I've, I've been talking about that a lot, but I finally found a program. I've been able to snatch a nice deal with it. So I'm going mm-hmm. to start on that too. And of course, Extra Life with Pondspress, a big marathon we're doing to raise 10,000, at least 10,000 for Cook Children's Medical Center by November 8th, 8th, 8 a.m. Central Standard Time. And you can check out the information on facebook.com slash Pondspress or eventbritepage.com slash eventbrite.com slash extra life with Pondspress. Until next time, take care.